Howdy, howdy. Bon jour. And welcome to But It Was Aliens, the extraterrestrial ah. comedy podcast <laughs> where we take it in turns to do all sorts, but we mainly take it in turns to probe real life paranormal events to determine whether they really were paranormal at all. My name is Kev, and I'll be hosting this week's episode, and alongside me is Mr. Granville Moonwalker. Yes, yes it is. Today, we are heading somewhere somewhat well-known, as we cover something somewhat lesser known, but related to something very known. We've touched on a similar subject before, on your birthday in fact, Mr. Moonwalker, as we covered Wizard Oberon and the real-life Hogwarts. We are heading a bit further back today. Back to the 1600s. I should probably add in here that we did a soft announcement a few months back on our Facebook group at Extraterrestrial Towers. And possibly on the Twitter? I don't really recall that- On the Twitter! Oh, Jesus. (laughs) That we were going to start covering more paranormal-themed episodes on the main show and turn the Patreon into, well, keep on doing what we're doing on the Patreon, but make it a little bit more spicy, more adult-orientated paranormal cases, those not fit for the wide public to hear. Controversy, nudity. Are we going to do a Prince and change our podcast name to, like... <laughs> the artist formerly, <laughs> formerly known. The podcast formerly known as But It Was Aliens. <laughs> No. <laughs> no, we're not. I'm going to announce it as that from here on out. Giles Corey was born as a young child in August. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. 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 Yes. So he was born as a young child. So yes. was he born at three? Like... Just out the womb. Hey, I'm three years old, motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, give him thumbs up. Giles may have been a special child, but I can't really divulge that yet. Hey, what up, mum? He said my name. His first word was A. (laughs) Pops up. Proper fonds. Pops out. Hey. Slicked back hair. Cigarette in mouth, sunglasses on. We don't know where he got the sunglasses <laughs> from the womb. So Giles Corey was born as a young child in August of 1611. That birth was birthed <laughs> in Northampton, England, in the United Kingdom. Northampton was originally an Anglo-Saxon village called Hamton, meaning village by a well-watered meadow. The village grew into a walled town with a castle around 1100. By the 1600s, this was basically Hyrule Castle Town. By 1640, Mr. Corey fancied a change and had moved to the American colonies. It's not clear whether this was to seek his fortune or to seek religious freedom, for example. Corey originally settled in Salem Town, and no, that isn't the famed Salem Village. After a time, Corey moved to nearby Salem Farms, aka Salem Village, 
where records show that Corey purchased land and eventually became a fairly successful farmer. I'll just add that Salem Village is technically part of Salem Town, but the village was distinguished by its poorer economy. Hmm. When you said that Northampton was originally called Hampton. Yes. Meaning village by a well-watered meadow. Mm-hmm. I originally thought you were going to say it was a village that was well known for producing ham. Gin? Mm. I don't know much about ham, I'll be honest. I love I, ham. I like ham, but I'm ham, not a ham spurt. Ham. Ham, ham, ham. I was just wondering uh, in my head when ham first started being created and whether the 1600s was feasible. Well, it probably wouldn't have been processed like it is today. But maybe it was better quality stuff they had. Yeah, not a fan of... Well, I don't mind... You love all ham. Processed ham. Ham! I heard you. But proper hams. Best ham. Ham. I turned my little niece into a ham monster. But did so, you like wrap her in ham and... What I used to do the is... Spirits to possess her. Most people will know, or most people will do this... When they leave their parents' house, like they move out, every time they go back, one of the first things they do when they walk through the door is go to the kitchen and look in the fridge. Oh, yeah. See everything. what good stuff is in there. Even, <laughs> if, even though you were the person who stocked it up, you've got to go and check when you get home to make sure there ain't nothing in there you didn't know about. Every single time. Treat. And I used to just like eating ham straight out of the fridge. <laughs> you monster. So, um... My little niece, when she was like two years old, I used to get ham, like put half of it in my mouth and then just shake my head and go like that. So, yeah, I taught my niece to do the same. So anytime I would go into the house, I'd pick my niece up, we'd go to the fridge and we'd get ham and just go. And then I ham it up together. I got. In trouble by my sister because my niece would just start climbing on things to get into the fridge and get the ham. And just do the ham around. monster yep. thing. Just run around the house <laughs> doing that. She's a literal ham monster. So, uh, yeah, you get no apologies from me, sister of mine. With success comes jealousy. More money, more problems. Corey wasn't hugely well thought of in Salem, you see, and this may or may not have had something to do with the fact that Corey beat one of his indentured servants to death with a stick in 1676 when Corey was 65 years of age. Absolute dickhead, but that's some old person strength there. And I say old, 65 is nothing today. 40. Yeah. I'll just add that an indentured servant is someone who works for an agreed amount of years as free labour, usually to pay off some form of debt or as, or as a punishment. Corey said that the servant died via horse accident, but was found guilty in court. Guilty! Corey was only fined as a punishment, though, as technically, in this time, people couldn't be charged with the murder of indentured servants, so the charge was only unreasonable force. Many testified against Corey, which suggests that he wasn't well-liked. 
Corey was also convicted of theft twice and suspected of arson. Oh, he's a proper knob. What I was going to ask is... Did this person like lose a bet to him and then have to pay that back in servitude? Or... So, when you became indentured to someone, it may have been that they helped you out in some way. Okay, so this person could have been well-liked by everyone around the village. Yes. And essentially, yep. Corey was a loan shark. Possibly, or Corey could have brought them into the village and been like, work for me for so many years, and then off on your own you go, new life. Who knows? Okay. Convicted of theft twice. Suspected arson. Those aren't... When you read those with what he does, those are kind of like scaring businesses. <laughs> he does come across a bit like a loan shark, doesn't he? Mm. <laughs> it's not like he um, nicked a keg of beer or something like that or set fire to a park bench. He's probably stolen people's like livestock. Yeah. Or set fire to farms or crops rival farms have been yep. lit up so Corey can make all the ham profits exactly his ham fisted self Corey also loved the ladies and would first marry a lady named Margaret of course in, she was called Margaret in England it's not entirely clear as to whether Corey took Margaret across the water to America but what is clear Maggie is that Corey and Margaret popped out four children. It's not clear if Corey took the children either. He left them, didn't he? But what is clear is that Margaret sadly passed away in 1664. Corey was grieving. And what's a grieving, honourable and trustworthy gentleman to do? Well, marry some more, of course. The very same year that Margaret passed on, Corey, at the age of 53... Married a Mary Bright. <laughs> Margaret, Mary, Martha, Maggie. Like You're mapping what, out what his other, future here. Yeah, what other M's are going to pop out? Mario. Marianne. On the note of M, the happily married <laughs> couple had a child. So in total, Corey had five children. The kid was called Mark. Corey and Mary were married happily ever after until 1684 when Mary passed away. Ooh. Corey was grieving. Now, what's a grieving, honourable and trustworthy gentleman to do? That's right, marry some more. Around 1691, at the spry young age of 80, Corey took his third wife until death do them part. New England native Martha Rich, <laughs> <laughs> who became Martha, Martha. Uh, yeah, Martha Rich became Martha Corey. Oh, <laughs> uh, what's uh, Martha Wayne? <laughs> Martha was respected, and it's said this marriage finally put Corey on the straight and narrow. And what happened is they went out to. See a cinema, see a cinema, see a film, or they went to some kind of function with their kid, and then they happened to be walking back, and they were in an alleyway, and then a robber turned up and stuck them at gunpoint, then killed them both whilst stealing her pearl beads, 
And the child witnessed all of this and vowed. I was the child becoming Batman. <laughs> Why? I, I do have it on good authority, though, that the 1600s were rife with cinemas. Marvel. <laughs> and bats. Now, Corey. The birth of Batman. Corey was a stand-up gentleman of honour and trust. So Corey would only ever do right in the world and obey the law. So, of course, when Martha was accused of witchcraft in March 1692, Corey knew it to be true. That's right. Corey didn't make the accusation, but he damn well supported them in court because Corey was a God-fearing man and he'd married a witch. Oh. How old was... Martha, when she married Corey. Younger than him. I mean, you say younger than him because she could have been 79. Was she I, like I don't 20s, have... 30s? I'd be plucking a figure out of thin air. Because... Don't have it. Is he then claiming that she put a curse on him and that's how he fell in love with her and married her? And he was like, how can I get out of this? And he gets out of it and then his son turns into Batman and then Corey's like... I was wondering if you well, could come back to the Batman theory. I lost my wife because she was a witch. And what does a honourable and trustworthy man at that age do after that? Gets married, Gets son. married again. And that's when he moves on to Marissa. <laughs> Grief is a funny thing. Creates Batman. Also, Batman's mother is the Scarlet Witch. As the inquiries into Martha's witchcraft continued, Corey, like any loving and responsible husband would, went about his life. Corey was free. Well, that is, until one month after Martha's arrest, when Corey himself was arrested on suspicion of witchcraft. <laughs> Corey was rounded up and examined for the witch's mark. The witch's mark, or devil's mark, is believed to have first come up proper in the 1500s and peaked in the 1600s. It was said to be a permanent mark the devil uses to seal one's obedience. The mark was made via branding or by the devil raking claws across flesh. Some accounts suggest that the devil made this mark via licking. Individuals would be stripped and shaved in search of these marks and pins would be inserted into lumps and bumps. If no visible mark could be found, well, marks could be invisible too, so inquisitors would just insert pins into the body until they found an insensitive bit. Well, that's just fucking stupid, isn't it? Mary Warren... Abigail Hobbs and Bridget Bishop were also rounded up and, under questioning, Abigail Hobbs further accused Corey of being a wizard. Not the Dumbledore variety, may I add? Now, what is really interesting here is that Corey refused to plead his case. That's right, Corey would neither profess himself to be guilty or innocent. Is that because by, by this time he's just become senile? No. Okay. We will get into why later. Um, so I don't know you... why, but the name Abigail Hobbs rings a bell. It may well do, and you might realise why as we get further into this okay. one. Imagine just 
looking on someone's skin. The way they looked for witches. Like, just yeah. poke them until they find a bit that's less sensitive. Bop, you didn't feel that? Oh, you're a witch. That's so stupid. Madness. Olden times were crazy. What I was also going to say is that they said the devil mucks would be a raking of claws like through the flesh or licky licky and I was about to say um, if that's claws down the flesh how is he doing that with his tongue because he's the devil Biarch he's got a forked tongue okay yeah got me with that one <laughs> as you looked at me when I said that your soul drained out of your body <laughs> the way you were flicked Repeatedly flicking your tongue at me. <laughs> it was a soul drainer. Ah, oh. <laughs> that's so wrong. <laughs> Taking your life essence with your tongue. <laughs> you sick fuck. <laughs> the mark they were essentially looking for, yeah, was like the raking of claws. So. I don't know, maybe two or three lines that look like they've been caused by like scratches or something like that. Is that the mark? Because Well that's that's the thing, the really. mark could be anything. Like, yeah. I have birthmarks. <laughs> exactly, so. that is the point. Am I a witch? Or wizard? It, whatever fits the narrative. Oh, you're a witch. <laughs> Refusing to enter a plea. Corey was, of course, sent straight to jail without passing go or collecting 200. Nah. Corey would rot in prison for a few months before being brought before the court in September of that very same year, 1692. This was Salem in the middle of the witch trials, so if there's one thing we can be sure of, it's that there would be a fair trial. At that trial... Handmaiden, a.k.a. servant and key witness, Mercy Lewis, detailed her experience of Corey's magical powers of torture and spectres. Mercy, 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 mercy me. Um, he loves the M's, doesn't he? He, he no does, mercy. actually. You did call it earlier on in the episode. <laughs> now, I don't want to label anyone as an accuser. But Mercy's former master and minister, George Burroughs, was executed for witchcraft after Mercy's testimony. I will also add here that Mercy was allegedly a victim of childhood abuse. But records state that pious Mary Eastie was all but free with all charges dropped before Mercy showed no mercy, no mercy. resulting in Mary Eastie's execution too. Basically, at the trial, Mary clasped her hands together and then Mercy, one of the allegedly truthfully afflicted, imitated the gesture and claimed to be unable to release her hands until Mary did the same. When Mary tilted her head, Mercy, along with other accusers, claimed that Mary was trying to break their necks. Mercy also claimed that Mary's spectre had got into Mercy's bed and touched her titty. <laughs> the judge wasn't convinced though, and Mary was actually released on May the 18th, but Mercy claimed that Mary's spirit was afflicting Mercy again two days later on May the 20th. The other girls supported it, 
and Mercy stopped having seizures once Mary was back in prison and boom, Mary was condemned on September the 9th. Mary was hung on September the 22nd. Seven other allegedly true witches were also hung on that very same day following similar experiences, including one 72-year-old Martha Corey. Martha's accuser? Mercy Lewis. So you have your clarification on the age of Martha Corey there, Mr. Moonwalker? Yeah, so similar age. Eight years-ish Giles Corey's junior, yep. Olden Court was crazy. Absolutely. You I mean, could just go into court wiling out, like, ah, that motherfucker! Claiming imagine? that someone else was making you do that shit, and boom, they're executed. Right. She clasps her hands together, tilts her neck, yeah. and says she can't undo any of that until Mary does. Mm-hmm. If I was... Sorry, is it Mary or Martha? Yeah, Mary. If I was Mary... I would have asked someone to just stand in front and said, I'm going to unclasp <laughs> my hands at some time. I'm not going to tell you when. I'm just going to do it. And we're going to see what happens on the other side. And then I'd sit there and just have my hands clasped at the same time. And then go, look as I unclasp my hands and see if she just does it. Yeah, but then Mercy unclasps her hands at the same <laughs> time by chance and you are screwed. I'd take that risk. Imagine that's how all the witches were killed. I say witches like they were witches. It's me with my pitchfork again. This is madness. So, absolute madness. 72 year old Martha has pissed off Mercy at some point. Possibly. Or, Or getting on the bandwagon, started with someone getting pissed off with someone, and now it's just got out of hand. Or Mercy is like. An olden day internet troll. Or Mercy is a victim of witchcraft. Internet troll? Before the internet. <laughs> Pre-internet troll. She's a pre-troll. Patrol. <laughs> I mean, it says that Mercy was subjected to abuse. So, my research suggested, yeah. Not Doesn't saying, excuse what happened <clears throat> later, but still I'm very sad to see. I'm not saying that any of this was true. But could it be possible that the people that she has accused were all somehow connected to that? I don't think all were. Because I can't see why you would just go around and start accusing Well, she could have been a very sad and damaged individual, bless her. Maybe they looked at her wrong one day without realising. she could have been the witch. She's the only one. All the others are innocent. She's there to cause the havoc. Uh, 72 years old, Martha has unfortunately passed away here after being accused of being a witch. Yep. We now have Corey, who is without a wife again. If If he comes out of prison and ends up marrying Mercy Lewis, then... I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> just remember, he's he's locked down himself at the moment. He's getting out. He's going to get out by claiming that he was under the control of Martha. I mean, his story so far would lead you to believe that is quite a high possibility, wouldn't it? And then he's going to marry Mercy, isn't he? He's well, going to have his four M's. 
I've, I've jumped ever so slightly ahead there because after refusing to plead, Corey was actually pressed literally a few days earlier on September the 17th. This is the only time in American history that this is known to have happened. If you didn't plead, you legally couldn't be tried. So basically, to force Corey to plead, Corey was stripped butt naked and laid down. Boards were placed on Corey and then piles of stones were gradually placed upon Corey. This is known as pressing. More and more weight gradually piled on. Not only that, but in the first day, they gave you literally the shittiest bread they could find. On the second, three drafts of water, which is basically three pulls of a hand pump. That would alternate until a plea was entered or the person died. Sheriff George Corwin led the pressing. I'm just going to interrupt here. This is going to sound very sadistic. Mm-hmm. I reckon at first that must feel so nice. The, As they've got the first rock on before the, they get the rest. <laughs> the pressing. Like, I know your other half has a weighted blanket. Mm-hmm. Have you tried it? It's been placed on me on occasion. It's hard to get off once it's on. <laughs> now, <the> prison. <clears throat> I have one of those. Uh-huh. And I'm very tempted to go and buy another one. Just to have more weight to double the weight but, yeah <laughs> can you just get a heavier one i've got the heaviest one you can get really though mm-hmm. you can make it heavier by buying another <laughs> that feels so very this excessive what i potentially intend to do it's just such a nice feeling there's something very comforting isn't there about it mm-hmm. so i could see that for the first few stones so, and rocks. I'd just like to remind you that he's forced to lay down naked with potentially the whole village watching whilst those boards are placed on him, whilst he's forced, probably tied down, balls being pressed against the... Yeah. I mean, are you laying on grass? <laughs> <laughs> no. How big are your thighs? Does it lift you up off the ground a bit? I mean... <laughs> Depends where you are. When, when you, asked... I was about to say, if you're laying on, like, gravel, that is not going to be nice. But that's basically what it's going to be. When asked how he pleaded, Corey simply responded, More weight! <laughs> After, Sadist. <laughs> After two days, Corey was asked three times to plea, but each time, Corey said... More weight. The sheriff even stood on the stones too. Corey's tongue was seen by witnesses to pop out of Corey's mouth with all the weight, but Sheriff Corwin just poked it back in with his cane. (laughs) As more rocks were placed, Corey didn't whimper at all, nor did Corey beg. Corey just took it, almost supernaturally. Finally... On September the 19th, three days into the pressing and three days before Martha, Corey spoke his last words and passed away. Those last words were... 
Damn you! I curse you and Salem! Wizard. Huh. So he didn't marry. No, and I've just got a piece of artwork depicting this for you there as well, Mr. Moonwalker. Oh, okay. Okay, that's not a nice way to be pressed. <laughs> not oh, nice at all. No. So I imagine this as you were laying down on your front and then the weight is placed on your back. It seems that this accurate representation <laughs> depicts it the other way. You are laying on your back looking up. All the rocks seem focused around the dick area. They do. There's like barely any on his They've chest. Piled them all on his cock, basically. <laughs> Absolutely awful way to go. And the only time, as I say, in recorded American history that this has happened. He, with with every tongue poked out, and they just poked it back in. What a double hard eighty year old bastard! Every time they're putting another rock on, he's like, "More wet." <laughs> oh, come on, you pussy. I can take it. They did say he was into some torturous stuff, didn't they, earlier? He had an interesting background. BDSM. So what you think, bearing in mind, that's going to pretty much break any person pretty quickly. How are you thinking that he was able to withstand it? Well, he clearly had multiple devil marks where... He couldn't feel anything. <laughs> <laughs> the man was riddled with devil marks. Or his entire body was a devil mark bar one spot. And they happened to hit that one spot and that's what finished him off. They when hit the cane, spot, when the cane spot. poked his tongue back in, that was it. <laughs> his tongue was his weakness. Um, I don't know. Maybe he was used to that kind of thing. Obviously, the trials went on a little longer, but eventually life calmed down. Court changed and people didn't think twice about Corey's last words. Well, that is, until April the 12th, 1696. Sheriff George Corwin, who was 30 years of age, unexpectedly died of a heart attack. People immediately remembered Corey's last words. Corey's curse. But was that it? Had the curse been acted upon and could all go back to normal? In a word, nope. For it transpired that the curse was on the sheriff and Salem. These things are like the monkey paw. They need to be specific or all hell breaks loose. Corey, whether intentionally or accidentally, cursed the sheriff and Salem, aka every sheriff that would follow. We have names for every sheriff that followed Corwin, which I'll link to in the episode notes for those interested, but unfortunately, records I can access don't really indicate what happened to most sheriffs until the 1900s. For those we do know about, I'll work through. Samuel A. Johnson was sheriff from 1893 until 1919 and died in office unexpectedly. Patrick F. Turney then took a two-year stint and it's not clear why Turney left so suddenly before Arthur G. Wells came to power. Wells was sheriff from 1921 until 1932 and passed away unexpectedly in office. 
was that in office, as in in power, or in their particular office? In power. Okay. Um, dying unexpectedly. What were their lifestyles like? Um, once you become sheriff, you have a bit more power than most. What if they started to indulge a little bit more? The finer in things said, in life. By using said power to get their way. Give me an example. More beer, more like red meat. On the job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I love a the point sheriff, of work. Just walk in, get what they want. Give me that whiskey. They were taking advantage of uh, people to get their own way, and it may have come back to bite them on the keister. We don't know. And it says that Tierney left suddenly. What if behind the sheriffs were like a mob, a gang, ruthless? They ruled the town. The sheriff was just a front. These sheriffs, like Johnson and Wells, they were okay at first, and then they got a bit too big for their boots, so they got taken out. Tierney was like, fuck this. I'm out of here. Well, even so, that could be the result of the curse. Or people being bellends. Well, let's, let's, or the move curse. On. let's move on with some more sheriffs, shall we? Straight after Wells, from 1932 until 1953, Sheriff Frank E. Raymond was in post. Records aren't clear on what happened to Raymond, but everybody loves him. It's possible that Raymond took early retirement due to health difficulties. Sheriff Earl Wells operated in post from 1953 until 1964 and passed away unexpectedly in post of a heart attack. Again. Earl Wells was followed as sheriff from 1964 until 1965 by William J. Casey kind of favoured alongside Casey as Sheriff of Essex County, Massachusetts from 1964 until 1975, with many walking out after Casey's appointment, was Earl's son, Roger Wells. After a vote, Roger Wells eventually filled his father's term until 1975. I couldn't find out what happened to Wells, so maybe the curse made him vanish. Next up would be Sheriff Robert Carhill, whom after entering office in 1975 had to take early retirement due to heart problems alongside a blood condition, or curse, in 1978. Carhill had an interest in history and it's through Carhill's own research that the curse on previous sheriffs came to light. Carhill found that his predecessor, Roger Wells, also had a rare blood condition and had to retire. Meanwhile, Everybody Loves Sheriff Raymond was also said to have a heart condition. Carhill had access to records I don't and is convinced that every single sheriff predating him either died before their time or had to retire due to ill health, namely a blood or heart condition. Corey's curse. So we have some sheriffs here that are in term for two years, maybe. 
yep. and the rest are generally about 10, 11 years, and one that was 30 years. All of them with suspicious health circumstances resulting in their untimely deaths and retirement. So what was the general kind of health situation for the majority of people in this town around this time? Were heart conditions and blood conditions a common thing amongst the people? Well, it's in America. So we can assume that it's quite high. No, we can't. We can assume that we... most of these people in this time are being popped off by blood or heart conditions. Mr. Moonwalker, we don't make assumptions on this podcast. Okay. I'm stating that these people <laughs> probably died <laughs> through blood or heart conditions. Therefore, the only thing that is a curse here is their job title. And that's the only link. But so many sheriffs all dying. So many people all dying. We don't have those stats. We can't back that up. <laughs> It's got to be at least a little bit unusual that every single sheriff is getting murked by blood and heart conditions. Not if, like, 80% of the population are all getting murked by blood There's and heart no conditions. no way 80% of Salem are getting okay, murked 79. by... 79. <laughs> Minus the women and children. I'm going to pull out the census on you in a minute. In 1991... The sheriff's office moved from Salem to Middleton. And, and the he, curse was broken. And it is believed that this has finally <laughs> broken Corey's curse. How dare you steal my bit? <laughs> Sheriff Carhill's successor was in post past this move, so has probably escaped the curse as they've nail nail? As they've now also been succeeded, though Charles Reardon did leave the force in 1996 amidst prosecution for accepting corrupt payments and obstructing justice, taking a plea bargain. Perhaps the curse just got a little weaker. Even if the curse has ended, this may not be the last that we see of Corey, for in addition to all of this, the ghostly apparition of Corey is said to walk around the graveyard Corey remains within each time a disaster is about to occur. This included right before the Great Salem Fire of 1914, which left approximately 18,000 people homeless. You see, Corey was pressed in a field opposite the Salem Prison, which would later become Howard Street Cemetery. Corey wonders that cemetery this is like the Salem Mothman <laughs> so we actually have no proof that the curse was broken when they moved the office but we suspect it may have been <laughs> we don't suspect here on this podcast <laughs> so. the curse probably was broken <laughs> so what happened down the line is they got better health care Way better healthcare <laughs> and medication. And that's what stopped people dying from heart and blood conditions. Uh, you make a good a good argument there, sir. Um So that alongside the breaking of the curse has probably helped quite a lot. The fact that <laughs> breaking of the curse. The fact that the ghostly apparition is seen 
do you reckon that's I mean, you're not going to reckon, you're going to state it is the ghostly apparition. Of, well, it or, is. I can confirm. Right. What I'm going to say is that somebody believes they saw it and then it's like a story that's just got passed down through the generations. Because no one knows exactly when an event is about to happen. Except and then Giles Corey and Mothman. It will happen and then someone will go, Oh, I saw the ghost of the apparition there about five hours before it happened. What they really saw was a branch rustle in the trees. They saw Giles Corey. I can verify that. Later. <laughs> Unless you have video proof of his apparition. Well, the problem with an apparition is they're not permanent. So? So by the time you've got out your camera, they've gone... Boom, moment passed. Just be filming there at all points, 24-7, like Ed TV. <laughs> That's a great film. Who walks around with a GoPro on their head 24-7, do you? Just set it up Because I can't leave. see a GoPro on set your head right now. See this little spot between my hair? <laughs> GoPro. We should get GoPros and both wear them and just stare at each other <laughs> when we're recording. <laughs> Looking at alternative explanations for the curse... <laughs> <laughs> Being a sheriff is a stressful job which could itself be linked to heart difficulties. Furthermore, with all the late night shifts, sheriffs can often eat utter trash. That can cause health issues. Meanwhile, I examined that list of every sheriff of Essex County, all 31 of them at time of researching in 2022, and sadly, I can verify that whilst many did die or retire, allegedly truthfully related to health difficulties, not all did. I can't explain why the curse would affect some sheriffs and not others. Whilst all the history I gave you is accurate, the impact on sheriffs has been predominantly researched by Sheriff Carhill, who had to take early retirement. Carhill has written more than 30 books and appears to love folklore. There's no problem with that, of course, but it maybe doesn't paint the most factual picture. Carhill sadly passed away in 2005. On the note of scepticism, some accounts suggest that Corey's last words were actually more weight. <laughs> the man loved the weight. <laughs> So the uh, sheriff's curse that we've been talking about, yes, researched and put forward by a sheriff himself. And like I say, all the stuff that we've covered here is factual. This all did happen. Except the sheriff's curse. But we're not clear on that because there's records indicating both ways. I mean, they may have said that he put the curse on, but it's this sheriff that has... The sheriff has popularised it. Curf? curse real I think yeah <laughs> um, uh. I got him <laughs> the sheriff didn't make up the story I can confirm that I'm not saying he did I'm just saying he's but he's the one who's gone past the old sheriffs you can look up I've done it myself obviously and I will link to it you can look up who all the old sheriffs were but he's the one who's accessed their health records and whatnot outside of the two or three that are in the public domain. And then has gone, well, if I say that these all died because of a curse... I think 
my take on this chap is that he just genuinely loves genuinely loves the paranormal and really enjoys the story and perhaps even believes it to an extent maybe he just wanted to put the like keep salem i wouldn't say on the map but i mean we've possibly said this before but if we were like literal million billionaires i would love to just jack in other jobs and go out and investigate things like mm-hmm. travel around the country or around the world, make like documentaries on it and shit. Obviously, take the podcast mainstream. That would be wonderful. So maybe this chap being forced to take early retirement got some sort of payoff and had the freedom to do that. Who knows? You should. It's your bloody episode. Well, I kind of have told you that's what he did. He wrote 30 books. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't mean he uh... loved... Folklore work. Sorry, sorry. I was going to ask. Do we know how much the rocks and stuff weighed that were being put on? No, there's no way to tell that because it was in the 1600s. Okay. Big unrefined rocks. Corey had lots of experience of being the underneath. (laughs) On the note of Corey refusing to enter a plea. There's a bit of a loophole in the law, and it's believed that by not entering a plea, Corey couldn't undergo a trial and therefore couldn't be convicted. Corey was therefore ensuring that his land wasn't seized by the powers that be and redistributed to the town if and when Corey was convicted. This meant that Corey's family wouldn't lose the inheritance. This did mean that Corey was pressed, literally, for confession instead though. As much as we've made light and teased, to withstand the torture and stand firm, Corey may have shown incredible courage and love for his children. Some accounts also say that Corey defended Martha when first accused. And that is a complication when you're covering these old cases. There are often conflicting records. Mm-hmm. Martha Corey had also publicly denounced the rich trials, including the judges involved. Martha accused two accusers of lying and was shortly thereafter accused of witchcraft herself. Those accusers? Anne Putnam Jr. and you've guessed it, Mercy Lewis. The way Martha was convicted was wild. In court, Mercy shouted that there was a man whispering in Martha's ear. Judge John Hawthorne asked if it was Satan. Putnam shouted that Mercy had a yellow bird sucking her hand and that was literally enough to convince the jury that Martha was guilty. Like I said earlier, court was wild. I, If I was Martha, I would have said, would it not take two witches to be able to see these things that they're accusing me of martha may have done that we don't really know well actually we do know because the um, court cases interestingly are transcribed oh did she say that martha was calling bullshit the whole time but the whole place was caught up in hysteria mad yeah absolutely mad period of history but yeah giles corey as much as we questioned his morality earlier on He's probably taken an awful lot of punishment and stood firm for the benefit of his family. Or possibly. He may have just been a stubborn old bastard. I was just about to say, maybe he just didn't want the... uh... Didn't want to give it to the people who had been prosecuting him. Yeah. 
He'd worked all his life for that, and fuck off was he going to let him just come <laughs> and take it? In summary, we've covered the experiences of Giles Cure... Corey? <laughs> I forgot his name. You better call him Adam Curie. Giles Corey during 1692 amidst the Salem witch trials. Corey moved to America around 1640, eventually marrying three wives and having several children whilst developing a reputation as a bit of a wanker. Corey was convicted for assaulting a servant with a stick and for theft amongst other suspicions. Corey also became a successful farmer and eventually settled down with pious Martha Corey until Martha was accused of witchcraft. Corey is said to have supported the claims against Martha in court at first before changing his mind. Shortly thereafter, Corey himself was accused of witchcraft. Corey refused to enter a plea, possibly as this would result in his land being taken from him, his family, rather than being left to the family children, or possibly because Corey was a witch or wizard. As Corey wouldn't enter a plea, Corey was sentenced to pressing as punishment and to force a plea. Corey was laid naked, nicky nicky nicky, with boards on him and stones were placed upon him. Meanwhile, the Sheriff George Corwin walked over Corey too. When asked to plead, Corey repeatedly demanded more weight. Eventually, on the third day of being slowly crushed to death, Corey passed away with his last words being a curse on Sheriff Corwin and Salem. A few years later, at 30 years of age, Sheriff Corwin died unexpectedly of a heart attack. It was the curse. This same fate would meet many, aka four, sheriffs throughout Essex County's history, and those who didn't die often experienced heart and blood difficulties and had to take early retirement. The curse continued until 1991, when the sheriff office was relocated, ending the wizard's curse. But Corey can still be seen wandering the field in which he died, which is now a cemetery. Considering alternative explanations, we discussed that being a sheriff is a stressful ass job, which lends itself to poor dietary choices. We also discovered that not all of the 31 sheriffs through history at time of researching died or retired on the grounds of ill health. We heard that Corey may not have stood against Martha at all. Meanwhile, it's possible that Corey's last words were another request for more weight. That's today's case. Is there anything we need to double back over in your humble opinion, Mr. Moonwalker of House Moon? No, there isn't actually. What we've discovered here is Batman's original origins. <laughs> Do you know what? I can uh, identify with Corey beating people with a stick because that's kind of how I live my life on Tears of the Kingdom. I'll be wrecking fools with my little two stick. I really want to go and play that. <laughs> <laughs> Being an adult is hard, son. Finding the time for your childhood joys is hard. Well, if we don't have anything to go back over, I have one question to ask you, my friend. Are you saying that it was curses? Were the Salem sheriffs through history, victim to a wizard's curse. Now, this is the point where you would expect me to claim bullshit 
after all I've said so far. That is absolutely that what I'm expecting. Yeah. There isn't a curse. Mm-hmm. But after hearing your snappy summary, I have thought over some things. And it is pretty weird that all these sheriffs have died through, like, blood or yeah. heart conditions I mean all four of them that's that's not normal and blood in particular is yeah. quite a cursy that's a very cursy ingredient isn't it I'll boil your blood so <laughs> I'm gonna err on the side of caution here <laughs> and say that no this is bullshit <laughs> no, there's no curse here. That that is absolutely what I was expecting you to say, but I was wondering whether you wouldn't dare speak ill of a curse due to your general fear of curses. Even if you don't believe them, you will not speak against them. <laughs> so, just to clarify there, you're saying that the curse, the wizard's curse is bullshit. I'm saying that this was no such thing. This was not a wizard's curse. Even though that may put you at risk from the ire of no? Mr. No, I never said wizard's curses weren't real. <laughs> so this was not a wizard's curse. Uh, There's details in the semantics. Yeah, I'm not saying that it was curses either. <laughs> I have absolutely crucibled myself with this one. At first, all I had was basically that Corey was pressed, said a curse, and that sheriffs ever since have died. I started researching Salem and I went down a huge rabbit hole and my gosh, there is content for several episodes there. I found this one really interesting, but in terms of a curse, I've said it before, I don't actually believe in curses. But that doesn't mean that Corey wasn't a wizard. If you're not in cahoots with the devil, why would you literally curse someone? Suffice to say, the 1600s were a wild and bonkers time. Corey was actually cleared of witchcraft in 1711, by the way. Bit late. (laughs) (laughs) Any final thoughts before we say goodbye, Mr. Moonwalker? I mean, by clearing him in 1711, does it kind of... Is there an effect to that? Does that, like, have anything for his family? Well, he never... Well, they taxed more? He never pleaded anyway, so they wouldn't have... What if he was cleared of it? It was just kind of doing the right thing, you know, 600 years after the fact when it doesn't mean much. Someone admits that their predecessors from 12 generations ago were wrong. I I mean, I hope it helps the family in some way. Yeah, yeah. Young Batman. So earlier on, you mentioned Abigail Hobbs. Have you now remembered? Yes, it is! That's not where I thought you were going to go oh. with Hobbs. I thought you... Will Hobbs is another. But I thought you were going to recall your childhood doing GCSE English and the book The Crucible, where all these characters are in that book because it's based on factual events. No. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Oh, dear. Well, that is a wrap for today. Whilst not a main source, I'll link to Salem Ghosts in the episode notes as they did have a bit of information to firm up this probe around a couple of the sheriffs and their ghost tour reviews are good. But thank you folks for listening to... But it was in humans! 
If you enjoyed what we do and would like to support the show, there are a number of ways you can go about it. You could purchase some official merchandise from our store available at butitwasaliens.co.uk. We plan to gradually get some new designs up, so if you have any ideas there, let us know. We know what you really want is pants that say probe on the butt, but it is surprisingly expensive to make underwear. I have tried. <laughs> we also have a Patreon page over at patreon.com forward slash but it was aliens. There, each month, we release a side probe, which is basically a bonus episode into paranormal cases too wild, too sexual, too lengthy, or otherwise with two unexplainable reasons to cover on the main show. For about the quast... The quast? <laughs> For about the quast of a quality cup of coffee. You can sign up and hear those exclusive episodes. If you just want to touch us, you can. Virtually. You can find us on the Twitter at But It Was Aliens. You can also find... <laughs> A But It Was Aliens page on Facebook, that's twice this episode, and secretly but also publicly connected to that Facebook page via a dark, dark alley is a dark, dark Facebook group called Extraterrestrial Towers. It's like you're shit in there and all are welcome, so invite everyone but tell no one. That's it from us for now, so until next time. They never actually said that Humpty Dumpty was an egg. Think about it. The truth is up there. Hash tag pro.